Deuteronomy is a word that I have never said in this church before. <laughs> That's where we're going to be this morning. I'm excited. Um, I'll, I'll give you a second to turn there. Um, it's the fifth book in the Bible, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy make up what's called the Pentateuch or the written Torah. We're going to talk in a couple of minutes about what those plenty of words are. Um, it's on page 320 if you're going to be using a Bible that is on the, uh, on the table that you're sitting at, 320. Um, before we dive into what is very much an ancient text for us, an important one as well, um, I want to set the tone um, by highlighting specifically um, that the passages that we are going to um, read today, I'll, thanks Levi, by the way, thank you, Levi did slides today, yeah, Levi, forgot to thank him earlier. Um, if you find yourself in this present moment um, looking for life or if you feel like um, my, if you feel like, if I could use the image, your tank is running a little low, um, if you can foresee that the next couple of months, just because you know what is coming, um, is going to exhaust you, if, if, if you can foresee a potential of that, um, or the next time you feel any of those ways. This is a particular, um, th these passages are ones that we should pay particularly close attention to. Um, looking for life now, tanks running low, you know something's coming that's going to exhaust you. If you're any of those now or the next time you are, the, these are ones to remember. The, these, the, these are the passages to earmark. Um, they're going to be challenging words. Um, they're going to be challenging words. I think what we're going to eventually find is that there is a source that gives us life, which is good news. That is good news um, because oftentimes when we feel like we're a little bit empty on life or when we feel like there's going to be something that's going to exhaust us, it is very easy and natural to turn inward and say it is myself that needs to sustain me in what is to come or the season that I'm in right now. Um, the, the good news and also challenging news is that we are not the source of life. Um, so good news, yes, because it's not us. But like I, I, I turn inward a lot. And, and, I, and I try and rely on myself a lot. And, and I try and, um, with my own wisdom and understandings, try to sustain myself. And so... These are challenging words. I think we're going to come to the conclusion that the things that we engage with, um, either consciously or subconsciously, that we are engaging with in order to either sustain our life or build us up where we are, are in fact the things that are tearing us down, um, which is a toughie <laughs> because um, it can be very easy to um, go about life and just go by gut reaction, by gut reaction, by natural instinct, by natural instinct. And then you can open up the scriptures and then you can be like, oh, I have been totally missing it. I've been totally missing it. 
over this entire epiphany, we've been looking at what we have said epiphany is, is the, the baptism and the miracles and the teachings of Christ. And you may have noticed that although we are, this is this week and next week ends epiphany, we haven't even really dipped our toe into the Sermon on the Mount yet. Like we haven't even really dipped our toe into what Jesus is actually saying in this, this crazy moment. Um, today's the day. <laughs> and in fact, there's homework. I have homework. It, it creeps behind the music stand and strikes. <laughs> the homework comes. Um, I think what we're going to find is that the things that we try and rely on to sustain us are the things that actually are tearing us down. And that's a tough one. Deuteronomy chapter 30 is where we're going to be um, this morning. Page 320, if you're going to be using uh, one of the Bibles on the table, Deuteronomy 30, um, starting at verse 11. Now, what I am commanding you today is not too difficult for you or beyond your reach. It is not up in heaven so that you have to ask, who will ascend into heaven to get it and proclaim it to us so we may obey it? Nor is it beyond the sea so that you have to ask, who will cross the sea to get it? and to proclaim it to us so that we may obey it. The word is very near you. It is in your mouth and in your heart so you may obey it. See, I set before you today life and prosperity or death and destruction. For I command you today to love the Lord your God to walk in obedience to him and to keep his commands, decrees, and laws. Then you will live and increase, and the Lord your God will bless you in the land that you are entering to possess. But if your heart turns away and you are not obedient, and if you are drawn away to bow down to other gods and worship them, I declare to you this day that you will certainly be destroyed. You will not live long in the land you are crossing the Jordan to enter and possess. This day I call the heavens and the earth as witnesses against you that I have set before you life and death, blessing and curse. Now choose life so that you and your children may live and that you may love the Lord your God, listen to his voice, and hold fast to him. For the Lord is your life. And he will give you many years in the land he swore to give to your fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And we'll go ahead and stop there. Um, the good news has been preached to us this morning. Um, so Deuteronomy, I mentioned uh, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. These are the first five books of what we consider to be the Old Testament. If we were um, amongst people of, of Hebrew descent, the Jewish faith, then they would call those, that collection of five books, specifically the Pentateuch. Uh, 
you may hear penta in that, five pentagrams and whatever else, these, these five different things. And um, These are sacred texts, sacred texts that um, still very much shape life today, um, not only for our Jewish brothers and sisters, but um, for Christians, for us, for, for Protestants, whatever you want to call us. Um, these still very much shape life, and they not only shape life as they are independently here in our, in our Bibles, but they also shape life because of how these words influenced words that would come, and, and we're going to get there in a couple of minutes. Um, but they're still very much influential, whether they are in, indirectly influential or um, directly or in, indirectly. Um, so, if you would with me, we're going to do a really quick overview of the Bible, of the story of God and of the story of the people of God. Starting in Genesis, of course, God creates the world and uh, humanity and, and all that's within it, and it's good and beautiful, and then he rests. Um, and then the people of God begin to uh, be fruitful and they multiply, which is a good thing, and then they eventually are in Egyptian captivity, which is, which is a bad thing. And uh, 400 years-ish, the people of God are under the enslavement of, of the Egyptians. Um, Moses, let my people go. And um, they go, and, and, they, and the sea parts, and that, that's a good thing. And um, then the people of God spend 40 years-ish in the desert, and they're just, if you were to track them, they're just, man, they're just walking in a circle <laughs> in the desert for 40 years. And they're just trying to figure stuff out. And they're trying to um, discern what the creator God would have us to do and have us believe. And they get caught always in between um, what, what we want to do and what we're used to and perhaps what God is telling us. And then God speaks quite clearly through Moses, through the Ten Commandments and the tablets and Mount Sinai and all this good, this good stuff. And then they just keep trying to figure it out. And... Uh, there's kings, and there's prophets, and there's more kings, and there's prophets, and there's battles, and um, then there's a, more prophets and kings, and then there's more prophets and kings, and then there's battles, and then um, that's, where our, that's where our scriptures stop um, for, for, some, for some time, for, for a good period of time. And then Jesus is born, and, and Jesus is born, and that's a good thing, and he... Um, you know, grows up and he's 30-ish and then he starts his ministry and he's baptized. We've talked about that recently and, um, you know, we've talked about his life recently and his upbringing and all this stuff. We've talked about his baptism. He gets baptized. And then, um, and then we are here, what we would consider the Sermon on the Mount. Interesting thing is that scholars would tell us that Jesus often taught on the same mountain that Joseph, uh, Moses received the Ten Commandments. Very exciting. Very exciting. Um, that, that the same mountain, that the same mountain range, that the same, same area of hills and mountains and whatnot, this would be the same area that Moses receives the Ten Commandments from God. This was the same place where the authors of Matthew would set the scene for this collection of teachings that we call the Sermon on the Mount. But of course, we start this morning with Deuteronomy, a passage that matters greatly because what we believe 
is that the same God that created is the same God that gave Moses the Ten Commandments and is the same God that um, has been leading the people of God and it's the same God that forgives and forgives and forgives, but then at the same time sends prophets and prophets and prophets and then forgives and forgives and forgives. The exciting thing about what we believe about the Trinity is that Jesus is God in flesh. That's why Deuteronomy makes sense at the same exact time that Matthew makes sense and we don't read Matthew in the Sermon on the Mount and just kind of forget about anything happening in the Old Testament because we believe what, what we believe about saying that there is a God who is three in one is that Jesus is that same God in flesh. And then we read about Jesus and that's a good thing. So Deuteronomy 30, we're going to stay there still. Verses 11 and 14. Now what I'm commanding you today is not too difficult for you or beyond your reach. Verse 14 says, the word is very near you. It's in your mouth, it's in your heart, so you may obey it. When you read those things, hear the good news that that it's doable. Hear that. Um, the interesting thing about where these words in particular land in the scriptures is that this is the end of the Pentateuch. The Pentateuch would give us over 600 laws. The, the Pentateuch gives us over 600 detailed, do this and not that, do this and not that, and when this happens, do this, and when this happens, don't do that, but do this instead. And all of that mumbo-jumbo in mind we read, you can do this. It's doable. Um, that's good news. It's good news. The second thing that we want to hear and pay attention to is verse 15, is verse 16, and verse 17 and 19. Verse 15, see, I set before you today life and prosperity, or, I like to add or in there, or death and destruction. Um, for I command you today, love the Lord your God, walk in obedience to him, keep his commands, decrees, and laws. Then you will live and increase, and the Lord your God will bless you in the land you are entering in to possess. And then verse 17, but if your heart turns away, you'll be, if you're, if you're drawn to bow down to other gods and worship them, um, you'll be destroyed. Now, man, whew, so couple of different ways we can read this, and I'd like to spend a short amount of time walking us through um, what is a considerable part of, um, of belief about God. Um, many of you, most of you, all of you, perhaps would believe in free will, that God grants freedom of choice. We're just going to stay there. We're not, I'm not going to talk about the other side of that coin, so, although it's one worth discussing. Um, if God does, in fact, grant us free will, which, which I believe he does, and, and perhaps you do as well, then what we are extended 
in verses 15 and 16 and 17 and 18 is choice. Which, once again, is good news, but also very challenging and troubling news. So, it's very easy to read these verses, and when you read death and destruction, that just flies off the page. And, and when you read, um, dis- yeah, you'll be destroyed, that just flies off the page. And then when these words fly off the page for us, we can begin to think that, man, God is just after us, right? And he's, he is just wanting us to just not live. <laughs> and man, so that doesn't sound like a loving God. So maybe there's another way to read it. And what I read, and maybe you read as well, maybe, you'll, maybe you see it with me, is that that choice is being extended to us. That just by the very fact that we have an opportunity to choose means that there's such love and freedom that's being extended to us. However... Where there's a good choice, there's a bad choice. So last week, we considered the human dynamic between law and love. If you were here last week, we, we looked at there's just this dynamic between law and love. Next week, we're going to be asking and answering the question, when you want to grow, where do you go? That's a very exciting question to ask. We're going to be looking at the transfiguration of Jesus, which is a very very mystical and um, quite wild. It would be very, very nice on movie screen uh, <laughs> scene that we get in the scriptures. Um, today, today, I want us to focus in on the words, now choose life. The Lord is your life. Those are the words I want us to hear. Choose life. The Lord is your life. Okay, Deuteronomy 30, we thank you for your ministry to us today. Let's turn a whole bunch of pages to Matthew chapter 5, okay? Deuteronomy 30 has been good to us. We're thankful for Deuteronomy 30. We do not forget about Deuteronomy 30 when we turn to Matthew. Um, It's still there and we still need it. Uh, Matthew chapter 5, we've been here over the last couple of weeks. Um, We're not going to read any of this, but that's where your homework will come into play. Um, Once again, what we believe about the Trinity is that the same God who spoke to Moses, who spoke through Moses, is the same God that is now in flesh in the person of Christ. And in the Sermon on the Mount, we get the teachings of that same God. We hear the same message from that same God, um, and we um, we get a very challenging perspective on language that's going to sound familiar that we read in the very important Old Testament, but it's going to be, um, it's going to be brought forth a little bit more. It's going to be worked out a little bit more. Last couple of weeks, we've talked about how it's going to be fulfilled. This is the fulfillment of those familiar words in the important New Testament. Uh, for a moment, I'm going to read a list. As I read this list, if you're looking at the passage. Um, between chapters 5, 6, and 7, feel free, if you're in a, you know, scroll if you're on an electronic device, flip if you're in one of the, one of the books that, with pages, but we are reading about murder and adultery and divorce and oaths and retribution and love for enemies 
and giving to those in need and prayer and fasting and having discussions about what is valuable and having discussions about worrying and judging others and what should we seek and having discussions about which path to take and having conversations about discerning voices and having conversations about what it looks like to be devout, what it looks like to practice devotion, what it looks like to be wise. Here is a very exciting thing that it was a gift that was given to me in my study over the last week. Is that, oh man, it's, it's really beautiful how this can all come together. You know, it's really beautiful how words that were spoken and told thousands of years apart can make sense. It's, in, it's insane. So all of those things in Matthew 5, 6, and 7, that exhaustive list, those are all things that can happen and do happen and can manifest themselves in secret. Every single one of those things is choice. For example, um, you've heard it said about adultery. Don't. But I tell you, even if you use lust, choice um, about the murder. I'll tell you what, I could spend the rest of my life just praying to the Lord for grace and forgiveness and asking his spirit to just continue to show me and wash over me um, this idea of anger. Because, because, yeah, the Old Testament, which is important, says don't murder. And Jesus in the important New Testament says, don't murder, but man, even if you're angry, try not to be angry. Don't be angry. Um, I, I kind of put it this way. To the person who says, I haven't murdered anyone, we ask, but have you wanted to? <laughs> okay, good. You haven't, you haven't murdered someone? Great. Have you wanted to murder someone? Just as bad. Now, this is where we have to do some disconnecting. It's not just as bad in the world. And the Supreme Court doesn't say just as bad. And the county, the county court and federal courthouse downtown Peoria doesn't say just as bad. No, murder to them would be far worse than just anger and isolated. But yet here we have the fulfillment of the law. You may be familiar with the story of a very wealthy person that approaches Jesus we call him the rich young ruler sometimes. And he says, I haven't murdered anyone. I have loved the Lord, my God. So he wasn't at the Sermon on the Mount. <laughs> he didn't hear it on the podcast. <laughs> but what we find in the Sermon on the Mount is one of two things that we can choose to find. What we can find is Jesus 
rattling through more and more laws and adding to the 600-something and helping us see that here are just so many more different ways that you can sin and good luck, or we can read the Sermon on the Mount and we can read a very clear picture of this is holiness. No, this is holiness. Jesus, who would later on in his ministry go on to say that he came so that people could have life and have it to the full. Moses says, choose life. Jesus says, I am the way and the truth and the life. And Moses says, do you want life or death? And Jesus goes, I showed up so that they could have life and I am the life. So we need to choose life. It is so clear in the story of God and it is so clear in the story of the people of God that a choice is being extended to us. I have made the choice not to murder anyone. Maybe we need to make the choice of of not wanting to want to murder anyone. Are you worried? Am I worried? Are we worried? Then we need to ask the question, then what are you seeking? And do we spend, if we were to actually consider it and quantify it, and if there is a way where we could plug a little probe onto our heads and it could just document our thoughts and not even the words that we say, but the thoughts that we think, and then it could categorize it into a spreadsheet, would we find that we spend a thousand times more time and more energy judging others than we do looking introspectively at ourselves? Is that what the data, if there was some way to have the data, if that, is, is that what the data would tell us, is that we put so much more energy towards judging others than energy we put into being still before the Lord and allowing him to speak to us and perhaps showing us that maybe we're missing it too. There's still good news. I'm convinced of it. (laughs) There's still good news. The good news is that that there is a God that is freely giving us access to him. I've said it before. I'll, you know, someone's bound to end up saying it again. It would be one thing if there was a God that created us and then God did create us and said, don't sin good luck. It'd be one thing. That would be bad news. What we have is a God who says, don't sin. And just so there's no confusion, look at, look at me in flesh. Look at, look at me as a person. Here I am just so there's no confusion, that's what I mean. Choosing love before law and 
relationship between anger and murder and lust and adultery and all of those other things. Just so there's no confusion. That's what I mean. And he not only does that, which is, that's good news is just to have the clarity piece. He says, and I I love you so much and I want to be with you. I love you so much that I will defeat death and I will make possible life eternal. And I will defeat death and I will make possible repentance. And I will defeat death and I will make possible second chances and thousandth chances because that's how much he loves us. It's quite good news. And it's what we believe about holiness that, that doesn't let the conversation end to the sentence that I just said. The last sentence that I just said was, it's gonna, he's going to forgive you the 10,000th time. He's going to forgive you the millionth time. And what we believe about holiness keeps that conversation moving forward. What we believe about holiness is something similar to what Paul says later on in the New Testament when he says, when grace abounds, should sin continue to abound? And he says, by no means. What, what we believe about holiness is something somewhat similar to what Paul says, which is, which is that, which is, hey, there's a God who's going to forgive, right? But does that mean that we should just kind of live recklessly and not care about whatever And Paul says, by no means, but we should, in fact, be pursuing Christ-likeness. Okay. So, it is our homework where all of those things intersect. (laughs) It is our homework um, where Deuteronomy 30 and Matthew 5 through 7 and what we believe about the Trinity and what Paul says about holiness, all of that smacks together into our homework, homework that you're not going to have to turn in, um, but homework that um, if you engage with it, you'll be better for it, and if you engage with it, you will be more like Christ, or, mm, okay, if you engage with it, then you'll have more clarity on what it looks like to look more like Christ. However, the choice is still ours. That's what I meant to say. If you engage with this, you will be put in a position to where you consider where you're lining up. So, um, in the left column, can you pass these out? Find the nearest high school teacher. and So as, as this is coming around to you, on the left column is going to be what we call the Sermon on the Mount in some of the natural chunks in which the Sermon on the Mount finds itself. Um, these, are, these are for your reference um, to, to have and to hold until death do we part. Um, so a good and important thing at the top of that left column 
The word is very near you. This is what we want you to know is that when you're engaging with this homework, you're not just reading words that are physically close to you because they're a couple of inches away from your eyeballs. No. The Spirit of God, the Spirit of the God that was in flesh when these words were spoken is near you. The Word is near you, both physically and in spirit and presence. The Word is near you. The right column poses um, the, the right column poses a question, and the question drives to action, and it's how will you choose life? Once again, this is, this is Deuteronomy 30, bringing these possibilities about, is here is a word, it is close to you, here is a God, God is close to you, Will you choose life? How will you choose life? I did some assuming on purpose in the creation of this homework assignment. Um, I didn't want to give us an option on choosing death. (laughs) It's because I don't want any of you to die. I don't want any of us to go about our lot in a... Forgive me here, I, I... you know, I want us all to keep breathing and being alive. I, I also want all of us to have the joy of the Lord in this present life while we're still living and breathing and blinking and, and eating and being together and doing all those things. That, that, so both, right? I, um, that, and that's what you want for you, by the way. That's how you were created, is, is you want that for you. And we, your church family, want that for you. Um, so, I, yeah, I, I didn't give us an option. I, I, I didn't give us the option of, um, am I just going to keep the plank in my own eye? <laughs> no, I, no. What, Lord, help me get this plank out of my eye so that I can see that there is just specks of dust in other people's eyes and that I have had this plank in my own eye the whole time, right? There's, there's no other option here. We choose life. Um, We're not going to have any discussion today, and and in fact, just for the sake of time, um, we're we're just going to kind of pivot into our moment of response. So um, the the paper that you just received, uh, keep, hold on to, that can be an afternoon's worth of scripture study and meditation. There's, I think, about 13 different passages there. That can be the next 13 days. You can take one box at a time. Whatever this needs to look like for you, there's, there's not going to be more homework next week. So, um, you know, just let this be something you have and, and keep and maybe fold and keep in your Bible so that you can keep working with it and things like that. But um, I, I really do believe that if, if you engage with that, if you engage with that reality and ask seriously that question, I think you're going to look more like Jesus when you come out the other side. And that's a good thing. And there's life there. Um, so that's a, that's a very good and beautiful thing. Yeah, okay. And I have extras as well if you ever need a second or, or a third. Um, Tom and Desiree are going to lead us um, uh, featuring guest Ty. You have a question. Bring it on. Yeah. 
the difference between presidential election and vice presidential election? Well, you talked about that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, how does this turn into me not just judging myself? I think, so, I would say if we're going to use broad strokes and the definitions of those words, I think there's a little self-judgment here, just by the nature of it. I, I, think, I think just by the nature of it is, okay, I'm going to, I'm, I'm the judge in the courtroom, but yet I'm also on the witness stand. And, and I'm looking at myself to consider when was the last time I was angry, how often am I angry, who am I angry against, and why am I angry against that person? So there is a little bit of that, I would say. It can't stay there, though. And I think that's the key is when you look inward, and so when you look inward maybe you'll identify like, oh man, like I'm not lined up here at all. You can't just stop with that reality. That's where that right-hand column comes into play, is how am I going to move from this self-judgment to life? Because that's what we believe, is that there's life on the other side of this. That, that there is one who calls himself the way and the truth and the life, and looking more like him leads us through that muck and the mire of woe is me, right? Yeah, please. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, don't don't do that to yourself. If <laughs> So maybe that's a good thing to say, too, on the front end, is if, if you don't feel that within you there is going to end up being a willingness to change a way of thinking or to change a habit or to change a pattern, then maybe this would not be a good thing for you to, to, to engage with. It, it, it should spark a definitive change somehow. The alternative being shame. The, the alternative being I have knowledge of my lack and that coupled with, I don't have the willingness, I have the knowledge, but not the willingness, that'll eat you apart. 